Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. victory in this house this afternoon there's so much joy in this house this afternoon I feel I just feel in the Holy Ghost today that you are just a moment away just a breath away just a word away from victory oh I feel the Holy Ghost here what does victory look like to you today? You shall walk into your home today with nothing but peace. You shall walk into your home today when you leave this church with nothing but joy. I wonder if somebody can open up your mouth and prophesy. today I wonder if just in a moment if we can lift up a shout of praise but with this mindset the Bible says that one could put a thousand to flight two could put ten thousand to flight we have enough people in this room to chase every demon every principality come on every stronghold out of this country not just this city but there's nothing but power in this room. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of you and me. Why don't we take authority today and begin to prophesy in the atmosphere? Somebody lift up your voice and shout in this room. Somebody shout in this room. Somebody shout in this room. Somebody shout. Come on, chains be loose. Bondage be broken. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Let's stay right here for a moment. Something's about to break loose. Something's about to shake in this place. I don't want this moment to pass us by. 
If you've come here sick this afternoon, and you need healing, I want to call on the ministers of the church. I hope this is okay. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. If you're in leadership, won't you come? Can you come and line up here? God is getting ready to heal somebody this afternoon. We're going to get into the Word, but I want to take advantage of this opportunity. Deliverance is in this house. Ministry team, can you come? If you're sick in your body, I want you to come to this front. The ministry team is going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray the prayer of faith. And church, I wonder if you can join us. If you are healed and you don't have any sicknesses or diseases or you don't have any ailments in your body, that's great. But you got faith to pray to the, for the sick today. You got faith to speak into the atmosphere that God may pour out his glory, his healing virtue on this place. Can you join us today? If you're sick, won't you come? If, you're, if you've got diabetes, if you've got cancer, whatever you've got, you come down here. God's going to heal you today. I said God is going to heal you today. Did anybody believe with me today? When we can agree, that's when healing will come. I said when we can agree, according to the scriptures, God said if we can agree and we can believe together, God will do the work. Can we pray? Stretch your hands right here, right toward this area. Father, by the power that's in your name, by the authority that's in your word, release healing over each and every individual right here the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus it is done it is so so be it come on somebody begin to pray the prayer of faith come on come on begin to pray the prayer of faith
for from you are all things and to you are all things you deserve the glory that worship rise in this room you're worthy of it all So Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. Thank you for your sensitivity, church. Anybody thankful for the presence of the Lord that's in this room? Amen. Give honor to Pastor and Sister Harvey, to Brother Wiki and Sister Mariah, to your ministry team, to everyone that has participated in serving this week. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Aren't you thankful for what God did? this weekend I'm going to say that again I don't think you heard me aren't you thankful for what God did this weekend almost 10 filled with the Holy Ghost and over half of that number has been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ can we rejoice together church the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to repentance but we had more than that so I wonder if the church can rejoice that all of these people have come to the Lord. Lord, we give you the glory. You deserve the glory. Hallelujah to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we read together? Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness. Everybody say every sickness. That's what I believe God did just a moment ago. 
oh, I don't have enough in the room. I don't have enough witnesses. Did anybody receive your healing today? Healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I'd like to read it from a different translation that says like this. Verse 38, so pray to the Lord who is in charge. Everybody say he's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Glory to God. First and foremost, this is his harvest. This is his field. And we are the laborers. Can I say it again? This is his harvest. This, uh, these are his fields. And we are the laborers. Look at your neighbor and say, we are the laborers. That's what I want to preach for a few moments here today. We are the laborers. One more time, can you clap your hands before the Lord as you're seated? In Jesus' name. You may, you may be seated. Amen. We are the laborers. If you read through the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus' ministry focus was all about people. Everywhere Jesus went, he was either looking for, surrounded by, or dealing with people. Everybody say people. Jesus was discipling, healing, restoring, and saving people. There were young people, middle-aged people, elderly people, sick people, rich and poor people, blind and incapacitated people, demon-possessed people, people who came from broken homes, people who seemingly had no purpose. And even now to this day, Jesus is still healing. He's still saving. Jesus is still looking for and dealing with people. Because God's mission has been and always will be to rob hell and to populate heaven. That's God's mission today. If you're here today, it's because God has purposed you to be here. Because he wants you to be saved. He wants to spend eternity with you. God wants every single person in this world to have an opportunity to be saved. If you're asking me why today, I'll tell you. It's because God said, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is why. This is why, church, the enemy has been unsuccessful after all of his attempts to destroy you to destroy your family, to take you out. It's because God is not willing to spare you. No, he's not willing to spare not one soul. He wondered why God's been pulling and tugging on you. It's because he's not willing to spare you. You wonder why you made it through that car accident. It's because God's not willing to spare you. He says, they're not, they're not ready yet. I want to give them another opportunity so they can spend eternity with me. It's because God is not willing that any should, should perish. But that all should come to repentance. Come to tell somebody today, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've fallen. It doesn't matter what has transpired in your life. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And it's this mission that Jesus was so adamant on preparing his disciples for. After spending three years discipling this group of young people, Jesus gives them instructions in Matthew 4 and 19, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Everybody say all nations. And look around. This is what heaven's going to look like. All nations, every color, every creed. Hello, somebody. Every generation. <laughs> Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, everybody say surely. I am with you always to the end 
of the age. God says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to call you to do something and not go with you. God says, the moment that I called you, I gave you everything you need. I gave you everything you needed to fulfill what I called you to do. God will not call you or send you a place that he's not willing to give you provision to go to with. He said, go and make disciples. This was a heavenly mandate. He gave them instructions to carry this out. He said, go and make disciples. Because this was and still is the great commission. We see the fulfillment of this text in Acts chapter 2 verse 38. And this was what Jesus was giving this men an orientation, if you will, for the fulfillment of this mission. People. People. Broken people. Addicted people. Lonely people. Rich people who think they've got it all together. They need Jesus too. Because when you lose your money, what are you going to turn to? Ha! Come on, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The currency of the kingdom never changes. God says, if you seek me while I may be found, you're going to find me. As long as you can get to God, God says, I'm here waiting for you. Oh, glory. It's always been about people. And so we read in our text that Jesus says, the harvest truly is plenteous. Plenteous. That definition of that word is existing in or yielding great quantities in abundance. In other words, that means there's a whole lot of it and plenty more where it came from. There's so many people. There's so many people. If you went down to L.A. where I'm from, you'll see that it's so big that it's small because there's so many people. They're hungry. They're dying. They're addicted. They're broken. And all they need is this gospel truth that you know there's power in this book. There's transformation power in this book. And you've got it in your mouth. You've got the Holy Ghost inside you. All you got to do is speak the word. So I submit to you today, there's nothing wrong with the harvest. I said, there's nothing wrong with the harvest. The harvest is ready. The harvest is good. The harvest is plentiful. Can I continue? That means your city. That means your community. That means your neighbors. That means your unsaved loved ones. Hello, mother. There's a mother in the room that's been praying for your kids for a long time. And God promised you that he will restore them. Won't you keep on praying? It's going to come to pass. The people you've been reaching to, they are the harvest. But there's one common denominator. The laborers are few. God has already predestined your city, your community, your family for revival. It's inevitable. It's got to happen before God can, can fulfill the prophecy of him returning to this earth to take back the church. He has to pour out his spirit on all flesh. He said that he would do it. The Lord of the harvest has already made up his mind. There will be salvation. There will be revival. There will be an outpouring of his spirit. Because Jesus said, and it shall come to pass. In the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. So while you've been praying for restoration and while you've been praying for revelation and while you've been praying for deliverance for your family, I've come to declare today, God has already given your city, your community, your family, your world, everything it needs for revival and it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's us. We are the laborers. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord today. You may be seated. I'm reminded of the story of Jonah. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 1 and 1 that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Very next verse you'll read that the first thing that God said to Jonah was, get up and go. 
He didn't start the conversation with a, with a request, with an idea. He started it with a command. He didn't say, hey, Jonah, good morning. Would you like to go to, to, to tea with me today? No, he said, Jonah, what's up, dude? Get up and go. Get up and go to Nineveh. What do you mean I got to go to work today? Get up and go. What do you mean? I got a 401k. I don't know if you guys have 401k here. You guys have 401k here? Yeah, okay, cool. No? What do you guys have for, for, uh, for retirement? Super? Annual? Hey, praise God. Whatever your retirement plan is. Amen? I got a retirement plan I got I to gotta work on. I've got this going on. God said, listen, I want you to get up and go. Get up and go to Nineveh. Leave everything behind. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about that. Just get up and go. I'm speaking to somebody today. That's why I stopped here to tell you. God is telling somebody to get up and go. Open up that Bible study chart and teach a Bible study. Hey, hallelujah to Jesus. Young person, you can teach a Bible study. Oh, yes, you can. They're already having Monday night prayer meetings. You might as well join them. Come on, you can get up and go too. You can be a part of the harvest today. God tells them, get up and go to Nineveh. You got to understand this church. Nineveh wasn't a place that Jonah wanted to go. It was a wicked place. God had planned to destroy it. God had planned to obliterate Nineveh because it was just so terrible, so wicked. Brother Greg, but I just happen to believe that God had one more act of mercy before he decided to cast judgment on that city. You want to know what that was? It was Jonah. He said, I just need one laborer. I need somebody to answer the call of God. I need just one. And he said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Because God saw people. He saw people. They might not have wanted God at that moment. They might not even know who God was. But God wanted them. Oh, yeah. You might have come here today. You may have never walked into a Pentecostal church. You may not know who Jesus is, but he knows who you are, and he wants you. So Jonah doesn't respond verbally. Jonah puts on his shoes, packs his bag, doesn't even respond to God. If anybody were in the room, they would have been like, where are you going, Jonah? Don't worry about it. I got to go. I got to get out of here. He responded actionary. He got out of there. He left. He ran from the call of God. His response was actionary. He got up. He ran. Because more than likely, Jonah was either afraid or just didn't want to go and fulfill the call of God. Bible says that after Jonah flees the presence of the Lord, he finds a ship in a place called Joppa that was headed over to Tarshish. Scripture says that he paid a fare because running from God will always cost you something. But one thing that I know is for certain, God will not give up on you. It doesn't matter how far he has to go to get your attention. He's going to chase after you because it's the spirit of God that draws and he wants you. Oh, yes. He knows your name. He actually knows every hair that is on your head. When you brushed your hair this morning, this morning and hair one billion, one trillion, whatever fell out of your head. For some of us, it's more. For some of us, it's less. Amen. But when that hair fell out of your head, he knew the number of it. Amen. And he said, that's my child. That's my baby. I love them. I've got purpose for them. I've got something special for them. And this is what God did to Jonah. The Bible says that, the, uh, that in verse 4, the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. The Lord did that. The Lord caused a storm to come to Jonah's life. Listen, I don't care how much fun you have in the world. That fun is going to be only for a season. And then God is going to start shaking some things up in your life to get your attention. Because he's not going to give up on you. Is this all right, church? The storm got so bad that the people on board thought it was going to tear the ship apart. Bible says that the men on board began to call out to their gods. And when they found Jonah asleep inside of the boat, they began questioning him, asking him, why wasn't he crying out and praying to his God? After a while, they figured out that 
It was Jonah. It was Jonah. He was the reason why the storm had come. He was the reason for this dangerous situation. But watch this, church. This is a beautiful thing that happened in this story. Up to this point, they are cutting themselves because they worship God, idolatrous gods, and that was what their God required them to do, cut themselves. They worshiped their God, and they cried out to their God with no response. I didn't come here to degrade any other religion. What I've come here to tell you is I've tried Jesus, and I've found that he has always answered my prayers. He has always, I wish the church would testify with me today. I've tried him. And he has answered me. And he has come and wrapped me in his arms. I don't know what you've tried, but I can guarantee you if you try Jesus, it'll work for you. He'll answer your prayers. So this is what happens. They're crying out to their God and nothing happens. Nothing happens. All of a sudden they talk to Jonah and Jonah says, I'm the reason why. This storm has come to threaten the ship. My God is causing this storm to happen. This is what he said. This is beautiful. A backslider. He says, I fear the Lord. He's the God of the heavens and the earth. He's the God of the sea. And since I'm running from him, he is causing this to happen to me. I'm the reason. Jonah was backslidden, but he still knew who God was. The men that were worshiping their gods completely stopped. I'm pretty sure they wanted to beat him up, and they said, dude, what's wrong with you, bro? Why would you do something so crazy? If your God is the God of the storm, he must be a powerful God. If he caused this storm to happen, I guarantee you he can bring salvation to me and my family. Hey, hallelujah to Jesus. You want to know what they stopped doing? They stopped worshiping their gods. Why? Because it wasn't working. Oh, no, it wasn't working. And they started worshiping the only true God. They began to call on the name of the Lord. And all of a sudden, they began to make vows to God. Revival took place in the middle of a storm. Oh, glory. Don't you know that God can send revival to your storm? You can be, <laughs> listen. You can be living in a, in a world of turmoil in your house, but God can save your children. God can save your neighbors. Hello, somebody. Oh, yes, he can. Why? Because the harvest is ready. It's God's purpose to bring revival to the earth. Hear me today. The men on the boat were looking for something real. Tried the alcohol. They tried the relationship. They tried the career. They tried everything else. Nothing worked. But even in the backslidden state, God used Jonah to stir up revival in the middle of a storm. Verse 16 says, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Understand this, church. The enemy would like you to think and like you to believe that your co-worker doesn't want to have anything to do with God. Society would like you to believe that the world wants nothing to do with God. But I want somebody to know today that the harvest is ready. I said the harvest is ready. Don't let the devil lie to you and suppress your testimony. If God has saved your life and delivered you, you've got a testimony. There is a life-saving angel in your mouth that when you open up your mouth, you can testify of the goodness of God. And your neighbor might be saying, hey, if he did it for you, he might can do it for me too. The harvest is just waiting on somebody to answer the call of God. Somebody with a burden to fulfill the will of God in their life. Why? Because the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. And God wants people. God wants people. He wants them black, white, brown, yellow. He wants people. So Jonah tells them, he says, listen, if you throw me overboard, this, the storm will cease. The men throw him overboard. And the Bible says that God sent a great fish to swallow Jonah up. God sent a great fish to swallow up Jonah. 
God did not send the fish to swallow up Jonah, to destroy Jonah. But it was because God's hand was on Jonah's life. Hear me today, church. That God preserved Jonah. He sent the well to preserve Jonah. It might have been dark. It might have been scary. It might have been lonely. But God was preserving him because he had the call of God on his life. And you wonder why you're still standing today. It's because God is preserving you. He's preparing you. He's trying to get your attention. He wants to use you for his glory. Somebody give God praise in this room. Come on all over the house. So for three days and three nights, Jonah sits in the belly of a fish. What's intriguing about this story is Jonah's current state. He's in a fish, y'all. He's in a fish for three days and three nights. Let me tell you something. I'm not taking a nap in the fish, bro. I'm not going to do it. I'm scared. I'm praying immediately. I don't know his experience. I don't know what was going on in that fish. I have no idea. But it causes me to wonder what it was that Jonah was going through that delayed his prayers. Can we switch gears here for a moment? The spirit of fear and intimidation is real, church. And condemnation because of unresolved sin is real. But I want somebody to know today that you are just one prayer away from all of your sins being forgiven you are one moment away from God forever changing your life you are just one breath away from God delivering you and restoring the years that the worm and the moth have eaten God can do it you are just one prayer away can I tell somebody today that your experience if you're experiencing darkness today it's not bigger than God Your failures, it's not bigger than God. Your mistakes and your shortcomings are not bigger than God. Because Bible says in Romans 8 and 30, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. God is with you. God is for you. God is on your side. And this is why Jesus said to pray to the Lord of the harvest for the laborers. You, hallelujah to Jesus. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for the backsliders. We need to pray for the sinners. Because everybody, everybody has an opportunity to be a laborer. Brother Frankie, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the path that I've been down. You don't know the mistakes that I've made. That might be your story today. But I got good news for you. God has grace for that. I said God has grace for that. God is not here to condemn you and to kick you to the side and reject you like you have experienced. See, God's love is real. It's unconditional. God won't just say, I love you, and then leave you the next day. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. If he says he loves you, that means he loves you. It's an experience that you can hold on to. You can. And if you've fallen and made mistakes today, Scripture says that God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you, watch this, from all unrighteousness. God is not content with just fixing one part of your life. God says, I want to take everything and change it. I want to take all of your sin. I want to take all of your hurt. I want to take all of your despair. And I want to give you beauty for ashes. Oh, I want to give you something better than what you've experienced. And that means yesterday's sin. That means the stuff that you don't even remember doing. God is faithful to forgive. Come too late to tell me that God can't use you. Because of a mistake you made. Oh, yes, God wants to use you. There are too many people in the Bible that God used that were flawed and messed up. Look at David's story. He was messed up. But God said, this is still a man after my own heart. Because he knows how to get to an altar. He knows how to get to my heart. He knows how to to ask for forgiveness. Come on, somebody. 
A righteous man falls at seven times but gets back up again. I've come to tell somebody today, if you fall, just get back up. If you make a mistake, just get back up. Don't stay there. Get back up. Don't stay there. Just get back up. If you're a backslider in the house, God can restore you. Just get back up again. If you don't believe me, ask Peter. The Bible says that Peter denied Jesus three times. It goes as far to say that Peter even made an oath when he denied Jesus. Jesus told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter, you're going to make a mistake. Peter, you're going to fall. But it was that same Jesus that said, even though Satan wants you, Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. I prayed for you, not that you don't make a mistake, because in this mortal body, you got some flaws. But one day we're going to put on immortality. Oh, glory. We're going to go to heaven, y'all. We're going to go to heaven, y'all. No more sin, no more sickness, no more, no more disease, no more none of that. But while we are here, while we are here, you make a mistake, just get back up the other way. I'm not going to do that stuff no more. And you might want to get a Bible study. You might want to say, how can I get better? How can I? Hello, somebody. Come on, you got Bible studies here. You got teachers here that can help you. If you need help, God, they, they can help you. They can disciple you so that you can make it to heaven. Peter. Peter, the same Peter who denied Jesus three times. Who everyone knew made a mistake. He had to understand, young people, Peter had peers. There are 11 others that were there with him, disciples that he worked with and ministered with, that he went to convention with, that he went to camp with, that he, that, that, that he, that he hung out with, that he had rapport with. They saw him fall and make a mistake. They knew what was going on in Peter's life. Peter, who everyone saw fall and fail, is this same Peter that after he had been forgiven on the day of Pentecost, after the Spirit of God had been poured out, the Bible says, that Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted his voice. The same Peter who may have felt like I have fallen too many times. Does God still love me? Yes, he loves you, young person. I said, yes, he loves you. And it's the same God that forgave you. He's the one that can deliver you from all of that stuff, all that insecurity that you have in your heart that says, I don't know if God can use me. The same God that forgave you, the same God that can give you the mind and the courage to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. The same God, come on, somebody. The same God that, that, that forgave you is the same God that can give you the confidence to stand up amongst your friends and say, you know what? God can save you too. I know I made some mistakes. But it's no longer a mistake, it's a testimony. It's no longer a mistake, it's a testimony. I went down in the watery gave of baptism, and my sins have been forgiven. I am no longer the same. For if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, behold, all things are become new. Peter, the man who denied Jesus. Peter, the man who everyone knew what he did on the day of Pentecost, preached a message that turned our world and his world and this world upside down. That same message is still being preached today. We love that message. We love that message. I said we love that message because it's a promise. I said it's a promise. If you know that message and you know what Peter preached in that message on Acts chapter 2 verse 38, I want you to stand to your feet and begin to worship the Lord in this room. Come on. Stand to your feet and say, God, thank you. Thank you for salvation. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. Thank you for baptism in Jesus' name. Musicians, come. They're going to put this scripture on the, on the screen. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. I want everybody in this room with a loud voice to proclaim this promise. Hear me today. This is a promise. I said this is a promise. This is a promise that wasn't just meant for you. I'm so glad that I know what this word says and I can obey it. I'm so glad, but I'm also so thankful that Myla and Braxton and Ella May and my family, my wife, my mom, my everybody, this is for them too. <laughs> 
and this is for the next generation and the generation before and a generation to come it's for everybody are you ready to read it church can you read it loud let's read it together then Peter said unto them repent Now, church, with the voice of victory, I want you to rejoice with this next scripture. Turn to verse 39. Can you read it together? And I want you to rejoice as you read it. Are you ready? Verse 39 says, and the promise. Now somebody lift your voice and thank God for the promise. Thank God for the promise. That means if I experience the promise, I can be a laborer. I can go out and reach my family. I can tell them about this promise. Lift your hands. Lift those hands. God is doing something in this room. He's pouring out his spirit. We've already seen many get the Holy Ghost already this weekend. There's more, there's more, there's more in this room. Keep praying, I want you to listen to me here. The Bible says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Validation that God is not giving up on you. If he spoke to you one time, he'll speak to you again. Jonah finally obeys God. He goes and preaches to the people of Nineveh. And the Bible says that the entire city repented. The entire city repented. Scripture says six score thousand people were in that city. That means that there were 120,000 people in a city so large it would take you three days to walk through. This large city wants the laborer answer the call of God and began to preach. Conviction struck the hearts of the people and they began to repent. They began to fast. They began to pray. And the Bible says that the entire city was saved. You want to know why? They were ready. They were ready. The harvest, them, they were ready. All they needed was a laborer. All they needed was a laborer. All they needed was one person to answer the call of God and says, yes, God, I'll teach a Bible study. Yes, God, I'll witness. Yes, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. If you've come here today, you've been battling shame and guilt. Wondered if God will ever use you. We're going to kick that to the side today and we're going to rejoice because you're a laborer. God is going to forgive you. If you haven't asked God to forgive you your sins, he's going to forgive you your sins. If you've already received the Holy Ghost, you can be refilled with the Holy Ghost. If you have not yet received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, it is available for you today. And if you have not went down in the watery grave of baptism in Jesus' name, it's available. The water's ready. I said the water is ready. I wish the church would help me today. you to come to this altar if you want to get some things right with God if you want to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost if you want to answer the call of God on your life won't you come the praise team is coming we're gonna sing but I wonder if you would come in church if you could come and help us pray can you help pray for somebody as they come can we believe God for what he is going to do I'm telling you listen real quickly here pastor Harvey told me this he said brother Taylor he said God gave me a vision gave me a burden we're going to plant 30 churches here in Sydney. I thought that was amazing. I said, how many have you done already? There's, I believe there's five or six daughter works that you guys have. How many daughter works you guys have? Six. That means there's 24 more churches that need to be in the city. Oh, come on, somebody. There's 24 more. Who's going to answer the call of God? Brother Wicked, can you come? As people are coming to the altar, I, I, I want to say this. Brother Wicked, can you tell me how many young people do you have in your youth group? 
Uh, at present, we are averaging around 96 young people. 96 young people. See, in America, that's a large youth group. That's great. That's huge. That's amazing. But to me, that's too small. Oh, I thought the church would run the aisle on that. I said, to me, that's too small. How big is your vision today? I believe that God can give you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Don't worry about how you're going to do it. Don't worry about how you're going to fit them. Just go out and win them to the Lord. Won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you come? And as you come, stretch your hands and begin to declare victory for this city, victory for your community, victory for your family. Come on, laborers. God wants to do it for you.